Would you pray with me? You have filled our hearts with joy, Lord. We are free in Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we say, God justifies. Who will condemn? If you're for us, who can be against us? We have hope in Christ. Jesus said that no one can snatch us, his sheep, out of his hand. So Lord, feed us. We are your sheep. Protect us. Keep us. Guard us. Give us what we need. As we open your word, teach us. Awaken our spirits by your word. Give us life and joy and peace by the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. I invite you to open your Bibles to Proverbs 17.22. Proverbs 17.22. If uh, you need help finding it, just go pretty much smack dab in the middle of your Bible. You'll find a big book called the Psalms and turn a little bit to the right and you'll find Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. The big question for today is how to be a healthy Christian. How can you be a healthy Christian? Uh, We don't like it when our bodies ache, when they're in pain, when we face discomfort. Myself, for about the past five years, I've been on a relentless journey uh, to try to understand and solve issues in my gut. I got gut problems. I don't know, sometimes it seems like it's the food I eat. Some say it's the chemical makeup of my uh, stomach, or maybe it's just some other gut issue. But I faced a lot of discomfort, and it's been a journey. Um, When I meet a doctor and they tell me what to do, I rejoice. I get really hopeful. Now, I know some of you are very skeptical of doctors. I'm the guy who says, if you tell me what to do, I'm all in. Just tell me, give me the pill, I'll down it. Give me the procedure, I'll take it. I rejoice. I find hope when a doctor tells me what to do. Because for me, I just want to feel better. So I say, just tell me what to do, doc. Proverbs 17.22 is wisdom from the great physician. Life and good health are hidden in this little nugget of truth. So listen to Proverbs 17, 22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. In light of the grander story of the Bible, this proverb directs us to what it means to be a healthy Christian, to have good soul health. And the doctor's orders are for joy. Happy Christians are healthy Christians. Happy Christians are healthy Christians. Let's dig in. First, we must take a health assessment, something we have become quite accustomed to. This proverb has already assessed you. It assumes you're sick. Look at the proverb again. 
So a joyful heart is good medicine, a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You sit right there in the middle, which way are you going to go? Joyful heart, crushed spirit. Medicine and health, dry bones. The sickness that we face as humans is a universal struggle through a variety of afflictions. It's afflictions maybe on our bodies, but eventually they take a toll on our soul, on our spirit, on our heart. To varying degrees at times, everyone's soul feels the weight of burdens, troubles, hardships, anxieties, sorrows, discouragements, and pains. The Bible describes this by saying, we groan inwardly. Psalm 90 verse 10, describing all of our life in a verse. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Your quick little life that goes, is hard. It's hard. Some of our troubles are caused by our own foolish choices. You reap the consequences of bad decisions. We understand that. You become worked up over an issue and you cause yourself to be anxious. But many of our troubles just kind of happen to us. You're fired from your job unexpectedly. You find yourself lacking the energy or ability to accomplish what you want to do. You wake up feeling lousy, unmotivated, and depressed. This is the world in which we live, friends. It is a world cursed by sin And therefore, as Romans 8 says, the whole creation groans. Therefore, our souls become heavy as we face trials and tribulations and troubles. With our soul being weighed down, our health is in jeopardy. Our soul lies in the balance. What's going to happen Our spirit starts to give up. This threatens our spirit to be crushed. Again, our proverb, a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Like a stream dried up in drought, our bones threaten to be dried up, to lose life. 1 Kings 17.7 says, After a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. If you don't have a spirit in you anymore, your bones dry up. As bread that loses moisture gets all crumbly, a man or a woman who loses spirit, their bones just dry up, crumble, and wither away. So here are three universal truths. Everyone could amen in this room. Everyone suffers. Everyone hates suffering. And everyone wants relief. Please. Therefore, we seek medicine. We seek something to help. Our proverb tells us what good medicine is. Good medicine is joy. Joy in the heart is good medicine. We want to feel good. A joyful heart can sustain you. Notice the things that the proverb doesn't say. A righteous heart is good medicine. No. 
a rational mind. I am very reasonable. That is good medicine. No, we've all met very rational or seemingly rational people who are very miserable. Riches are good medicine. Knowledge is good medicine. No, joy is good medicine. We instinctively know this. This is something, this, this proverb, we understand instinctively. I want joy in my heart and I feel good. If I'm crushed by my burdens, that stinks, I feel like I'm dying. We share popular slogans like, laughter is the best medicine. I was reading this week, this is almost humorous. Uh, Dr. Diana Samuel, she's an assistant professor of clinical psychiatry at Columbia University Medical Center. Hear what she says about this medicine. Smiling can trick your brain by elevating your mood, lowering your heart rate, and reducing your stress. The smile doesn't have to be based on real emotion because faking it works as well. So there we go. We all smiled. We just faked it and we feel better, right? No. That's a, that's a joke, but in a sense, we might understand it. Fake a smile and see if it helps you a little bit. But we're not talking about fake joy here, friends. We're talking about the real thing. We know that being happy sustains us. It makes us feel good. And so where can we find that joy? Let's ask the question, what is joy? What is joy? I've been using the word happy I think that's fair, happiness in the soul, cheerfulness, being glad. What is that? My working definition of joy is that joy is the best positive emotion. It is the best positive emotion. So we know that there are negative emotions, anger, frustration, sadness. There are positive emotions like feeling calm, hopeful, and excited. But the best one the best positive emotion is joy. Joy is the deepest, highest, widest, richest, best positive emotion. I don't want us to get confused. So joy can produce outward exuberance or joy can be the quiet resolve and comfort in the soul. So we experience both of those. But both are joy and both are delightful. Joy is a feeling, right? It's a positive emotion. So solution to our heart sickness is a feeling, an emotion. Joy is not an idea. It's not a decision. It's not an act of the will. Joy is a reaction. It is something that happens to you, happens in you. So think about the ways that joy is produced in us, where it comes from. I reflect uh, on the joy of my wedding day as I stood, it was actually in that worship center when we used to be over there, looking at the doors, waiting to see my bride walk through um, the doors and, and approach me. You know, I think about dating, to being engaged, to preparing for marriage, and then the whole day of our wedding day, we hadn't seen each other. And I'm just waiting, I just want to see Sarah, I just want to see Sarah. And the moment the doors open, joy immediate. I can't, I can't hold it back. There's also, though, sudden and unexpected joy. You might have a tough day at work or just kind of you're tired. You're going home 
and your kids come up and just give you a big hug with smiles on their faces. You might not have the same joy I had on my wedding day, but there's joy in your heart that your kids are there um, giving that to you. It's, it's causing it in you. You can seek joy. Why do you go to your favorite restaurant? To be happy. It's not merely for good nutrition. Now, okay, probably a couple of you go for new, good nutrition, but the good nutrition is for your joy. You want to feel good. You want to think you're eating well. Whatever it may be, you want to be happy. You go to your favorite restaurant for that reason. And you can even give joy. There's so much potential in the room this morning for joy. Afterward, if you went up and told somebody just something nice about them, you said, how, how have this person encouraged you? Or you share an encouraging word from the word with them, you can give joy to someone this morning and produce that in them. Joy is the delight of receiving something good, experiencing something good, knowing something good, doing good. Joy is what we seek. And according to our proverb, joy is what we need for good soul health. So we ask the question, because life and death are on the line, dry bones or good health, where can I find the greatest joy? Where can I find fullness of joy? Where can I find lasting, transcendent joy? I want joy that's not shaken not taken away because of my circumstances. I want joy that remains. Here's our problem, friends. Too often we play doctor, we pretend, and we self-diagnose and self-prescribe what we think we need. Back to Bobby's gut issues. Boy, there have been so many attempts by myself and Sarah combined to solve my gut problems. What, you know, remove this food, try this food, all the different probiotics. I was put on an antidepressant for my gut. That didn't make sense, but I took the pills. That was one of those ones I shouldn't have listened to the doc on. <laughs> Nonetheless, though, trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. But the whole time, I'm seeking a doctor who knows me who understands me and can give me the right prescription. Here's our issue, friends. With our souls, we don't understand the true problem. We are not good at assessing our problem. We say, I know what's good for me. I know where joy is found. And then we go seek it. Here's what the proverb says about that kind of thinking. The proverb calls people who think like that fools. Proverbs 1.7, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 10.21, fools die for lack of sense. Proverbs 26.11, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Proverbs 28.26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. If that's how you're doing doctor for your soul, you're a fool. If you think you're going to figure it out, you're not. You're going to end up like a dog returning to its vomit, repeating the same cycle of chasing fleeting joys to solve your troublesome heart. Here are some of those things we pursue, the fool's medicine. 
We look for joy in stuff, achievements, entertainment, affirmation, money, sex, food, drugs, social media likes, promotions, or even we try to find joy in and of ourselves. We look for self-acceptance and self-confidence as a means of joy. All those apart from God will not give you the medicine you need. They only pacify. They don't satisfy. Sure, they might solve the problem for a little bit, but that's just pacifying it. Don't put the binky in the baby's mouth if you have milk on hand. Give the kids some milk. Jeremiah 2.13 says something similar. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God's people had a problem finding joy in life. God, a fountain of living water, free to drink from, is forsaken for little pits to catch some runoff water, and the people can't even dig the pits outright to hold water. C.S. Lewis reflects on this folly in The Weight of Glory and talks about our weak pleasures, our weak desires. It would seem good, sorry, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us, we are far too easily pleased. Amen to that. We are far too easily pleased. Our desires are weak. Therefore, we need to visit the doctor. We need him to diagnose us. We need him to give us some thoughts about our sickness. We need him to prescribe medication for our soul. So the wise person will be the healthy person because they listen to their physician. Here's a word of wisdom. We read it earlier. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now catch this. Trust in the Lord, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So listen to God. Listen to your wise creator who knows you and can prescribe what you need. So here's the answer, friends. God's prescription the doctor's orders. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Do you want to have a good soul, a healthy soul, a happy life? That is contingent on your joy in the Lord. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. I read it this week in a, a commentary. Someone said, Cheerful Christians are strong Christians. Cheerful Christians are strong Christians. And that's why from our proverb, A joyful heart is good medicine, I say, 
Happy Christians are healthy Christians. You got that joy, 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 joy down in your heart? You're healthy. You don't need another pill. You don't need another hit of your drug of choice. What you need is you need an IV connected to your veins, filling you constantly with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You need that fountain of life that's overflowing with goodness and delight that you're free to drink from. So where is fullness of joy found? Fullness of joy is found in God and namely through the gospel. What you need is the gospel. You will find a joy, joy that transcends in the gospel. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Have you ever thought about how the gospel is intended to produce joy? It is intended to make you glad, cheerful, happy. It's good news. Good news isn't meant to be regarded mere, as mere fact. Yes, these are mere facts. Jesus died, he rose. Aha, I know historical figures and facts. No, it's, no you're supposed, Jesus died. That's good news. That's joyful. You need to see the beauty of Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection. You need to see that Jesus died. He did that for your sake. Why do you need to see Jesus? Why do you need to hear the gospel? Because seeing leads to savoring. Take, for instance, the life of the Apostle Paul. Philippians 3.8, he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There's some joy that'll sustain you. He's writing that from jail. And he's saying, I count everything as loss. Freedom even. Eh? I got Jesus. Friends, you need to hear the gospel. The gospel will produce in you a joyful heart. So here is what you need for good health. Listen to the good news. The angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for, I be, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the peoples. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He will save his people from their sins. Then as Jesus begins his ministry, he's in the, uh, the synagogue. He stands up, takes the scroll of Isaiah, unravels it, and Jesus reads these words. Here's some good news. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Blind people will see, captives will be freed. That is something to rejoice in. If that's not good enough, you keep going in Luke's gospel, a few verses later, Jesus, after reading that, sits down. He sits down and says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Friends, Christ died for our sins. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He himself bore our sins 
in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Jesus partook in flesh and blood that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You're free if you're in Christ. You're not a slave. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. We also know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And therefore, as Paul writes in Romans 6, 14, sin will no longer have dominion over you. One day, Christ will return, and on that day, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death shall be no more. Those sorrows, those afflictions, gone. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That news will produce in you joy that is inexpressible. You might not be waving your arms like me, but you're going to know it, and it will sustain you. It will keep your spirit alive. It will sustain you under pressure. Here's the good invitation from the good news. All of us in our troubles, in our aches, in our discouragements, Christ says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You are weak, but Christ is strong, and he held up under the weight of your afflictions, under the weight of your griefs, under the weight of your sorrows, and he was victorious in life. Therefore, you must see him upholding you. Joy in Christ will sustain you. Jesus said in John 15, Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. Christ wants us to be in him, to remain in him, to stay with him, to cling to him. And he promises, promises his joy, the joy of Jesus will be in us. Therefore, friends, happy Christians are healthy Christians. A joyful heart is good medicine. Out of this comes three remaining questions, three remaining questions that I think some of you are probably intuitively thinking right now. So I'm supposed to be all joyful and all that. Sounds great, Mr. Preacher, but what if I am not joyful? What if I'm not happy? What if I'm just bummed out? First, don't give up. You're in good company. This has been the experience of the saints throughout the ages. 
if you think you're the only one in this room or on the screen who's lacking joy, just walk around, take a little survey of a few people in the room, and you'll meet a lot of people who have faced series of seasons of joylessness. Don't give up. If you don't feel enraptured in love with your spouse, do you think to yourself, well, it's time for a divorce. You just go that quick? Or maybe, do you quit your job the moment you stop feeling motivation and fulfillment at work? So do you give up on Jesus the day your joy starts to decline and fade? No. You fight. You fight. The way I would put it is a joyless Christian is a quenched Christian. A Christian, yes, but quenched. It's not good health for you to be joyless. So, for instance, somebody who's in pain, their body's in pain, they're not experiencing the fullness of life. We all get that. A Christian who's lacking in joy is not experiencing the fullness of what exists for their life in Christ. So, therefore, long, hunger, pursue joy. Why? Because you know it's there. In 1 Peter, it says, you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know joy is there. So why would you get complacent? No, in the the dryness of your spirit, pursue it. You fight for joy by faith. By faith. You bank your life on the sure prayer of Jesus in John 17. Jesus prayed this for you. He prayed that that we would have his joy fulfilled in us. You depend on one another by faith. Paul in 2 Corinthians 1.24, he said, We work with you, church, for your joy. Do you consider your service in the church as working for one another's joy? When you're seeking to build one another up in Christ, you're not seeking just to make smart, scholastic people who know everything about Jesus. No, you're trying to make people who are happy in Jesus. So work with one another for joy. Depend on one another for joy. We cry out in prayer. Like Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And we don't give up. The psalm goes on. So, in that dryness, so I have looked upon you in your sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. So if you're lacking in joy, do whatever you can to hear good news of great joy. Seek the things that are above. Set your minds on the things of the Spirit. Look to Jesus Seek to gaze on Jesus in order that your joy would be revived, stoked again in the Lord. And know, know that your fight, this fight of faith, is not in vain. God has made a promise for your joy. John 16, 24. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Second question by implication. Happy Christians or healthy Christians, a joyful heart is good medicine. Then what becomes of our afflictions? Do they go away? You might be thinking, 
again, you might be thinking you're the only one in this boat. <laughs> but I'm still afflicted. Does that mean I'm not healthy? No. The sign of your good health is that you rejoice in your afflictions. Friends, in Christ, afflictions do not go away. In following Christ, they actually increase. You're now a stranger, an exile in the world. Christ said you will have tribulation in this world. And yet, as our afflictions increase, providentially, our joy increases. We know by faith that afflictions, troubles, are preparing for us greater future joy. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. In our afflictions, we do not lose heart. We don't give up. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, a momentary affliction, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Friends, we rejoice in our trials because they form the character of Christ in us. James 1, count it all joy, my brothers. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, you know this, friends, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God wants you to make you a complete person through rejoicing in your trials. And we rejoice in our sufferings, namely, primarily, because through them we share in Christ's sufferings. And when we share in Christ's sufferings, our relationship is deepened. 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Trials are not strange, friends. They're regular. They're normative for us. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You come to know Christ as you share. You share his sufferings and then you share his joy. And our final question. Happy Christians are healthy Christians. A joyful heart is good medicine. And I'm saying fullness of joy in the gospel. Transcendent joy in the gospel. Seeing Jesus. It can't be shaked, shaken. How then should we regard all other joys? What do we do with everything else that seems joyful at least? What about food, family, nature, entertainment, work? Am I to give up all those enjoyments for sole, isolated enjoyment in the gospel? No, no. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. God has an abundance of gifts to give you in Christ, with Christ. All other joys are like ornaments hung upon a gospel tree. 
They decorate it. They make it look pretty. They highlight, they draw attention to the beauty and the joy of the gospel. The healthiest of Christians find joy in all areas of life. They see it everywhere. They, give, they see reasons to give thanks. They see reasons to rejoice always in the Lord. The freedom we experience in Christ enables us to enjoy all good things, not as ends in themselves, but as gifts from our benevolent Father in heaven. Good gifts in this life will come and go. They fade and pass away. It's folly to try to hold on to them as a means to satisfy you, to give you lasting joy. Don't hold on to stuff. Don't even hold on to earthly relationships as a means of lasting, transcendent fullness of joy. You're going to be let down. But when you receive those things as a gift from God, you can enjoy them freely and you can delight in them as they are intended to strengthen your relationship with God and result in praise and thanksgiving to him. 1 Timothy 6.17 says it this way, Do not set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So I think about, on Thanksgiving Day this year, I took my three-year-old son, Waldo, to go frisbee golfing with me down in Springfield, Nebraska. And boy, did he have a joyful time. Ran around playing frisbee. He ran over to the park, played by himself. Was very excited about that. Came back, we were goofing around. And as I buckle him in, in the car, we're going to head home. He says this to me. He says, after all that joy, some of it with me, some of it alone. Waldo says, I love being with you, Daddy. He gets it. All those gifts, the park, the frisbee, the jokes, are part of the relationship. It's part of the gift. But he gets where true joy is found. So therefore, go home today, savor your lunch, cherish your family, rest, take a nap. Wake up tomorrow, go to work, school, or work at home. If your labor is fruitful, rejoice in the Lord. If it's hard, Rejoice in the Lord all the more. Boast in your weaknesses that the power of Christ might rest on you. And at the end of the day, look up in prayer and say, I love you, Father. Thank you for this abundant life in Christ. You have made me glad. May the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let us pray. You have made us glad, Lord. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You have put more joy in our hearts than they have when their wine and grain abound. And so I ask boldly that you would revive a joyful spirit in us, strengthen us, make us healthy by it. Save us from banking our lives, our health, 
on fleeting joys. Give us joy in the gospel and let us see your graciousness, your benevolent kindness to us in all of life. Thank you, thank you for this joy that is everlasting. Amen.